For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And thank you, John, very much. Uh, just before I start preaching, I want to say a thank you to you as the church family. Uh, on the 11th of September this week, it became 18 years since I became the vicar of this church. That was a year before it was a famous date. Uh, we arrived here with five children under 10 in a certain amount of bewilderment. Our youngest is your drummer this morning who's just done uh, his A-levels and is preparing to leave home. Uh, our oldest, Thomas, got ordained yesterday evening in Chelmsford Cathedral. And you have, as a church family, loved us and prayed for us, put up with not just me, but the children when they've been... Uh, unruly, as uh, children sometimes are. You've prayed for them. Many of you have served in the children's teams and the youth teams. You've had them in small groups. You've had them on teams. You've trained them. You've loved them. As I said when we baptized George earlier, it takes a whole church to grow up disciples. Joy seeing three teenagers in our band who've been nurtured by the whole church, or John Reading who came to Living Faith through Alpha after first contact with baptism, prep. Just all of us are involved in everybody else's discipleship. But I particularly feel full of gratitude. We had our middle son, Timmy, got married uh, two weeks ago. And there's been a whole load of different events going on. And this church family has loved us and nurtured us and prayed for us. Uh, and I think I've given you lots to forgive me for, so I've, there's been an opportunity for your sanctification, and long may it continue, um, but thank you. It's brilliant being part of this church family. It also feels like we're at the start of a new season. Uh, there's quite a lot of staff change. We've welcomed lots of people in. God's called quite a number of people away to be ordained or to go and help strengthen other churches locally or to different places. And it feels to me like this is the start of a new season in the life of the church. The redevelopment is now uh, well established, the multiplication of the services. Uh, what has God got for us now? Well, our key verses from our reading, the end of Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21, if we could put those up. Paul prays, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work with us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. 
in my sermon notes I jotted down that the computer I was jotting these down on has far more power and capability than I've got any clue about what to do with it. I can just about do basic email, though I apologise when it takes me a while to get around to replying to you. Uh, but it's far more powerful. Uh, in my pocket is a phone that has more power in it computing than took the Apollo rocket to the moon. Uh, I haven't really got a clue what to do with that either, but it's useful from time to time. Uh, we serve the living God... And there is so much more available if we could learn to keep in step with him. What God can do in and through us, as well as the rest of his people, is far more than we can even think of asking. So will you pray with me now at the start of this sermon that God would come and speak to us afresh? There will be some old familiar illustrations. It's Vision Sunday. They're like old friends that come back. Uh, There may even be something new. Who knows? We may get lucky today. Uh, But let's pray that God will speak to us as a church family. But also, would you ask God to speak to you individually? Because God has things for each of us to do. Everybody plays a part in all of this. So let's just pray. Father, we bow before you. You are the God who can do immeasurably more than we can even think of asking. And we praise you for our church family here. We thank you so much for being part of it at this season of its life. But we pray now that you would come by your spirit. Take my words. Take the words of scripture and breathe your life afresh that you would speak to us individually and together as a church. At the start of this new term, this new church year, what feels like a new season in the life of the church. Will you come and give us grace to walk in step with you? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have a big vision in the life of this church. Uh, We worked through this about 12 years ago. Actually, um, some of you will remember a guy called Roger Morris, who was the diocesan missioner 12 years ago, who came as our catalyst to help us put this together. Uh, Yesterday evening in Chelmsford Cathedral, he's now the suffragan bishop of Colchester. I hadn't seen him for 12 years, and we were talking about this. If you are new to the church, pick up a copy of our Vision and Values. Uh, If you've got one at home and you've lost it, please don't pick up another one. We've almost run out and we need to do a reprinting, but it needs new photos because these are looking tired. But the vision God gave us a while ago was for not just St. Paul's, but for the town. Uh, We were praying about what should happen here, and God opened our eyes to say it's not really about St. Paul's, it's about his kingdom in this place we live. So the vision says to see Lemington changed one life at a time. Within that vision, we had the vision to multiply services and redevelop the buildings, but supremely to make disciples of all ages. And last year, in 2017, we said for the next three years, we're going to try not to do any other particular projects, but we want to focus on making wholehearted missional disciples of all ages. Uh, Unless Jesus leads us very clearly to do anything else with the buildings or something other than maintain them, we really want to put our energies into putting the structures in place So across all the ages, we can help people grow as disciples of Jesus. We said missional disciples, which is really unnecessary. Uh, Disciples should be missional. But in this era, we kind of get a bit inward looking. So missional disciples is about following Jesus closer to him and then out into the world. So how does that happen? Well, it's always struck me that Christianity spreads a little bit like germs and contagious diseases. Now, this is a very positive virus, if you like, to spread. Uh, We're in September. I prophesy that next week most of us will have coughs and colds. Um, 
I mean, we can rebuke that prophecy as much as you like, but what happens is someone has a cough or a cold, their child gets it, they go to school, the rest of the school gets it, they go home, all the other children get it, they go to all the schools, and by the third week of September, if there's a cough or cold in the town, pretty much the whole town's got it, we get used to it, and by October we settle on our merry way together. I hope and pray you don't get it badly, but that seems to be what happens. You get germs, we're in contact with people, it spreads. If you have a contagious disease and you're not in contact with anybody else, if you're quarantined, you have it, but nobody else gets it. If what you've got is not contagious, you can be in contact with as many people as you like and nothing happens. Now, the thing we need to be is contagious with Jesus, full of his love for us, filled with his spirit, overflowing with him, and in contact with his world fully. Uh, there was a picture given to someone in one of the prayer times this week of like a blue cheese where the sort of veins go all through it and the blue, just right the way through our society. We want God's people everywhere. Uh, whether or not you like the smell of blue cheese, the smell of Jesus, the aroma of Christ is beautiful. And we are to get involved in all of the structures of society as well as the individuals uh, everywhere. And when we're full of Christ and in touch with a lot of people, Jesus spreads. The problem comes when you get contagious Christians who are full of Jesus and we get them so busy in the life of the church they have no time out in the world. Or when we have our people who are so immersed in the world but they're not very contagious with Jesus. Those are the two dangers. Uh, what we long for is that all of us become more contagious with Jesus and more immersed, incarnate in his world. That's how God works. He worked by incarnation of Jesus. He loves to work through us being fully involved in schools and hospitals and businesses, in shops, in commerce, in neighborhoods, in music groups and sports clubs, and whatever it is. Uh, the local, local council, I'm praying that God will raise up people from this church to be involved in the leadership and government of this town and this county as well. That we're involved in everything, in politics, in the arts, uh, and that we as Christ's people once again, as it were, infect society positively. Now this strikes me that this is what Paul is really getting at in these verses in Ephesians. These two verses uh, have been really significant to me and to us as a church. And they also happen to be the sort of hinge between the first half of Ephesians and the second half. Last term we did Ephesians 1 to 3. I'll give you a very brief recap of some of it later. From next week we're getting on to Ephesians 4. But these verses, when we came up with this vision uh, all these years ago, when God led us to it, uh, John Irvin acted as a bit of a mentor to us at the time, as well as Roger Morris, who I mentioned. John said to us, think big. If you think you can achieve this in five years, you're not thinking nearly big enough. Think bigger. If it doesn't drive you to your knees in prayer saying, God help, how on earth is this ever going to happen? You're not thinking big enough. And he took us to these verses. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or can even think of asking. So as we prayed together about what should happen at St. Paul's, we realized it's not about this church. It's about the town. We got involved with churches together. We got involved with people in the town to start lots of new initiatives in the town. Things like CAP and Food Bank and Street Pastors. The well was up and running, but lots of people here thoroughly involved in it. Youth ministries, all sorts of things. And we praise God for what he's done. But he is able to do far, far more. So I've got three points Actually, I've got about 20 points, but I'll, I'll pretend there's three uh, headings just so you get a framework of where we're going. And here's the first main one. 
God is able to do far more than all we can even think of asking. He's the God of creation. I love that uh, all-age song we sang earlier. Josh was saying, it came, oh, it came out 10 years ago, Dad, when I was in rock solid when I was eight, but I hadn't heard it before. It's fantastic. He is the God of creation, and he's the same God, the God who threw the stars into space. I love that throwaway line in Genesis. He made the stars also. Five words, a little throwaway line. That God is here with us today. He's the God who raised Jesus from the dead. We sang this earlier. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. Now, I didn't feel like that to me this morning when the alarm clock went off. Thomas's ordination in Chelmsford Cathedral was at 6 o'clock yesterday evening. They had one at 10, one at 2, and one at 6. It's a lovely smallish cathedral, so they had to do it three times. By the time we got home, it was well after midnight. And when the alarm clock went off, it did not feel like the power of the resurrection was at work in me. But it's true. God has filled us with his spirit. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us to help us deal with the difficult things we face. We all have things where we think, God, you have all the power. Why haven't you sorted this? And for reasons best known to God himself, he's waiting. But that power to enable us to be equal to it is available or to rise above it. He is the same God who poured out his spirit on the church on the day of Pentecost. And this explosion took place in the Middle East where the church turned the world upside down or I prefer to say turned the world the right way up again. Uh, and that's what needs to happen in our nation. Our nation that was a Christian nation that's by and large turned its back on God though many hold to the Christian values still. We want to pray that God will once again Breathe his spirit on us. Now, Paul is full of, of praise to God in this letter for what he can do. Just a quick recap of chapter 1. Do you remember this from back in May or June? Ephesians 1 from verse 3. Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us. He's chosen you and me. That's an amazing thing. Whether, like me, I was often the last person to be picked for a football team on a playground and you feel a bit inadequate and lonely. God's chosen you before the creation of the world to be part of his team, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Now, technically, Paul wrote adoption to sonship. Uh, so you ladies need to get the hang of that, just as we men need to get the hang of being part of the bride of Christ, which comes up in chapter 5. It's a rich picture. We are adopted as children of God. We're part of the bride of Christ. We are beautiful to him. That's a wonderful thing for us to get our heads around. We're adopted into his family. Uh, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You redeem something, you pay a price. Jesus paid his pr the price of his life for us to be forgiven in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. God is a good God who lavishes his grace on us. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. God has told us that this world is not just an accidental big bang that somehow something happened sometime. The likelihood of that, I mean it's even less likely than the explosion in a printing works and the whole works of Shakespeare rolling out perfectly. How on earth can anyone believe that? I always admire their faith. They got more faith than I have to believe that that was random. Uh, God has created, there was a beginning and there will be an end. Jesus has promised he will rise, he will come back again 
and the heavens and the earth will be made new. And he's revealed that to us. We know that. We're part of his plan. Our world needs to know that. It's not random. If we go on to verse 13, God's given us his Holy Spirit. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Uh, until the redemption of those who are God's possession. When I preached on this in the summer, I said that the Greek word for deposit, arabone, is used in modern Greek of an engagement ring. I talked about Timmy, who had given an engagement ring to his fiancée, Becca. They've now had their wedding. The real thing has arrived. But for us, the wedding day waits when Jesus returns. Uh, and that will be, he is preparing, for, preparing that great day for us and us for that day. And Paul starts Ephesians with this burst of praise to a generous, lavish God for whom nothing is impossible. Some years ago, I think around the time I was born, J.B. Phillips wrote a book saying, your God is too small uh, to the church. We somehow thought that God could only do a little bit. He is a big God who can do more than we can imagine. Someone later wrote a book to the church, your God is still too small. (laughs) We need to think bigger. And I'm praying for us at St. Paul's that we can get a glimpse of what God might actually do among us if we dare to trust him and keep in step with him. I grew up hearing wonderful stories of what God was doing around the world in different parts of the world. One of my favorites was what God had done in the church in China. My parents remember in the 1950s when Mao came to power, all the missionaries were kicked out of China. There was a fairly small church in China relative to the population, tens or maybe a few hundreds of thousands. But most, a lot of the leadership was foreign, and they were kicked out, and the West wondered, how will this church survive? And we didn't know much for a generation until the lid came off in the 80s when I was a student, and we saw this church had multiplied to a church of many millions. I, I can't remember the numbers who are coming to faith every year, but I think it's at least a million every year in China. It's extraordinary. The church is booming. Do pray for the church in China, though. There is a new clamp down. Churches are being persecuted again. Pastors are being arrested. Uh, It's not in the news. The Western media doesn't like that sort of news. But it's happening. But God did more then than anyone could have possibly imagined. In the West, they were praying, well, will the church survive? More than that, it's boomed. That's my prayer for the church in the Middle East, which has been so persecuted, that it would boom again. That's what happened in Albania after... Decades of atheist rule, uh, once Enver Hodja went, the church has boomed again. Let's pray that the God can do, who can, the God of resurrection will bring more than he can possibly, we can possibly imagine. But let's pray here in Leamington too and in Warwickshire that God can once again uh, do more. This church, massive building, was built in 1873 to 1874. Foundation Stone, Ascension Day, 1873. First service, Ascension Day, 1874. Imagine that. Um, And it was built to hold, you know, 800, 900 people. Now, now obviously, we've messed about with it a bit and added some balconies and added different things. But how wonderful if there were too many people to come. We now have three main services a Sunday. What if we were bursting? What if the other churches were? Let's pray for God to breathe his spirit on us afresh. I don't know if you've ever read this plaque here at the front, on the front left-hand pillar. I didn't read it till we'd been here five years. After I'd been here four years in 2004, we came up with this sort of purpose. What are we trying to do? And we came up with three phrases. We're here to bring glory to Christ. 
We're here to bring growth to the church, and we're here to bring good news to our community. Sort of any church could do that, sort of up in out, but it was the way that God led us. And then I read this plaque, which says exactly the same three things, almost the same way. Uh, we are a daughter church of St. Mary's, so St. Mary's down the hill, our mother church. They have a new vicar, Becky, arriving in a couple of weeks. Pray blessing on them. As Leamington grew up the, town, up the hill, uh, there was a need for more churches. So, listen to this. To the praise of God, who by his grace enabled his servant, the Reverend Thomas Bromley, M.A., vicar of St. Mary's Leamington from 1856 to 1884, faithfully to preach the gospel of Christ, and in earnest desire for the spiritual welfare of this part of St. Mary's Parish, with the generous help of many friends, to build this church and constitute St. Paul's a separate ecclesiastical parish. Why? That the word of life may hear me made known to future generations. Good news to the community. For the glory of the Saviour. Glory to Christ. For the blessing of his church. Growth to the church. This tablet is erected, as also the north and south windows of the chancel, as a token of affectionate regard to his memory and thankfulness for the blessing, sorry, the light's shining on this, of his faithful ministry. He died in 1886, resting on the Lord Jesus Christ, whom it was his delight to proclaim as the way, the truth, and the life. Those words written on the bricks above my head that we've said in the baptism service. I suspect Thomas Bromley repeated a few sermons and a few illustrations and came back to the way, the truth. It is a tradition in the life of this church that God brings vicars who repeat themselves from time to time. It's a blessing. Uh, this wonderful plaque, that's why we're here, for the glory to Christ, for the blessing of the church, good news, growth of the church, good news to the community. So when we were putting together our vision, well, really seeking God for his vision in 2006, when John Irvin encouraged us to think big, when we came that it's about the town, uh, it's about glorifying Christ and bringing good news and this church growing. Uh, it's these verses, if we can put up verse 20 and 21 again, please, chapter 3, 20 and 21. Uh, to him who's able to do more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. That's our vision above all. More than anything we do, that Jesus is glorified by the way we are when we worship together, by the way we are when we're scattered out in the community Monday to Saturday as well. And we praise God for the way he's led this church to grow, the children's growth and the youth growing. Praise God for those teenagers who've grown up this church uh, in the band. Praise God for all the investment into Thomas who was ordained last night. Uh, praise God for the student growth that's come. Praise God for those who come to Living Faith in Alpha, like John who read our reading today. Praise God for what he's doing. Praise God for how he's led us to work together with other churches, the CAP ministry, the, the debt ministry, uh, street pastors, food bank. Uh, so many different things. The world, Thrive, lots of different ministries. Praise God for the way he has done more than we could imagine when we redeveloped this church. For those of you who've joined us recently, we spent over a million pounds, pretty much all given by the church, sacrificially. People went without uh, holidays and new cars and kitchens and all things the rest of the world were doing and poured money into the church. And we did it in two halves in 2012 and 2015. Uh, I remember vividly uh, preaching into the church that God can do this, thinking, oh my goodness, how's this going to happen? Uh, we had great architects, brilliant architect called Dave who worked with us, who was just fantastic. 
And as we'd appointed them, they came up the plans, two big phases costing well over half a million each. He said to me, so how much money has the church got? I said, we've got millions, Dave, we'll be fine. And he laughed and he said, really? I said, really? He said, what, in the church bank account? I went, oh, no, it's actually in the bank accounts of our church members at the moment and in the equity in their houses. He said, so you've got nothing. I said, well, no, no, we've got millions. We just need to pray it out from those accounts into us for us to pay you. He thought, so this isn't going to happen for years, is it? I said, well, we'll see. We think this is God's time, and God can do immeasurably more than all we ask. So we held a gift day. We preached into this, I think it was June or July 2011. And we asked people to give what they could, to pledge what they could over the next couple of years. And together with gift aid, the first phase was going to cost five or 600,000. I was praying hard, Lord, if we don't get more than two or 300,000, how's this ever going to happen? church had never given more than 50,000 at one, one go. Some of you were here that night when I announced that on the day it was nearly 400,000. It was 370 or 80 something. So Monday, and it was an extraordinary holy moment. As, and it wasn't about the money. It was the fact God can do more than we're expecting. So the next morning I phoned Dave, the architect, and said, I think we're up for this. He said, how did the gift day go? I said, guess. He said, well, you're a generous church. There's lots going on. Maybe 50,000. <laughs> When I told him it was nearly 400,000, down the phone, he said, good God, to which I said, precisely. And for the rest of the project, we introduced him as the architect with brilliant theology who believed that God was good. He's uh, a wonderful man, and he did a brilliant job for us and with us. But that was a hint that God could do more. Now, that's just money. What if God really breathed his spirit and we dared to trust him? He can do more. So that's the first point, which may be the longest. God is able to do far more than we can even think of asking. Second point, God wants to do it through us. He tends to choose not just to do it, but to wait till there are people to work through. He works by incarnation. Look again at this verse. Um, can we, here we are. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So if we're not up for it, he may do it somewhere else. 50 years ago, other churches in the town were full and there were 10 people here. Let's pray the other churches in the town get full again. But praise God what he's done through the people of St. Paul's as they've dared to trust and step out. Let's pray that happens again to all the other churches of the town. He wants to work through us. And so chapter 4 of Ephesians goes on to talk about the church as the body of Christ. And we'll pick this up next week as we work through this letter. But a couple of verses as a highlight. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Speaking the truth in love, or doing the truth in love, actually the Greek is just truthing in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Wouldn't that be brilliant if St. Paul's becomes a more mature church? Understanding our faith deeper, more solid in it. From Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So just like our bodies have loads of things going on and they're coordinated by the head. So Jesus is the head of the church. It's not me or anybody else. Jesus is the head of this church. And all of us have a part to play. You have a part to play just as I have a part to play. And what we need is everybody to dare to trust Jesus enough he will be calling all of us to take the next step for us. Uh, and we have to dare to trust him. If we could put up chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, please. Uh, 
can we just actually, I was celebrating our teenagers in the band. We've got Matthew, another of our teenagers on projection, doing a fantastic job. Can we give Matthew a big round of applause? Very, thank you. Sorry to embarrass you, but you are a blessing to us and we thank God for you. These things don't just happen. Uh, anyway, back to Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. It's really difficult. I dot around, I give the notes to the projectionist, but it comes up in an actually a very different order. So pray blessing on them. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Jesus is to be at home in us. We are to be strengthened by his power in our inner being and rooted in love. And that happens through faith. It's as we trust God that all this happens. So God can do far more than we can think of even asking, but he wants to do it through us. So we have to say yes and when we sense God calling us to take a first tentative step or a second or a fifth or whatever it is, to dare to trust him that it will be okay. And all the way through the Bible, there are heroes of the faith who've done this. Noah, who trusted God enough to build a boat in the desert. Abraham, who trusted God enough to leave his town and stop when God told him to. Moses, who trusted God enough to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Joshua, who trusted God enough to lead his people into the promised land. David, who trusted God enough to take on Goliath. With God on my side, I can't miss, he thought. That tremendous faith in that young man. Daniel, in exile in a pagan nation, who trusted God to live a, like 50, 60 years in the civil service of that pagan nation and bring good news uh, to Babylon, Nehemiah, who trusted God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and supremely in the Bible, Mary, who trusted God enough to say yes to God when God sent the angel Gabriel and said, I want to take over your whole life. I'm going to put my son in your womb. This is going to cost you everything. She didn't say, well, uh, I don't mind helping out in the synagogue kids' groups once a month, but, you know, that fails a bit much. God is utterly unreasonable. He says, I want your whole life. I will fill you. It'll be very exciting. It won't be boring. It will be hard, but I will be with you. And Mary said, yes. And God is saying to you, I want to do this through you, each of you. Some of you, God is calling to go and help re-energize other churches in the town. We praise God for your faith in taking steps uh, to do that. And as that happens, we pray blessing. Some are being called to go away and offer themselves for ordination. Some are being called to serve in the business community. We need people in the media, in arts. God needs people everywhere where he leads you to be. But you must be contagious with Jesus as well as being in those places. We had a week of prayer this week. And on Wednesday night, I asked people who are having an extended time of quiet, just to jot down anything they think the Lord might be saying to them or to the church. Some wonderful things I read. Let me read this one. This is a person who came to faith in, through Alpha uh, and the church as a whole over the last five or eight years. She wrote, I'm not sure what it looks like in practice, but I feel moved to help people suffering from anxiety. I rely on God so much to help me to turn my worries into prayer. And this is a gift I cannot imagine ever being without. I'd love to be involved to help people learn the beautiful power of prayer. I think this is something our church can do really well. Now, there is an epidemic of anxiety in our nation. And many of you through the church have been walking with Jesus as he's setting you free from depression and crippling anxiety. We're exploring offering a course called Hope in Depression next year. 
Uh, people need to be walked through this. They need a small group around them as they do it. The GP can give them a few minutes, but we can give people a community week by week to walk with them, with people who've made the same journey. Similarly, there's an epidemic of loneliness. Lots of you are involved with our relational ministries, marriage courses, parenting courses, restored lives courses. Lots of you are involved in ministries in the town or our children or youth, as well as being in the workplace in different ways. But some will be called into this ministry, and I think God's been preparing people in this church to be set free from this crippling depression and anxiety so that they can help in this day and age where this is one of the current ills of our society. The point is, as each person does their work. And again, thank you to those of you who prayed, you intercessors who've prayed for my children. Uh, seeing dear Thomas Ordain yesterday evening was an extraordinary thing. He is way ahead of where I was at that age. Actually, I think he's way ahead of where I am now, probably. He's just, he's just grown, and you have played a part in that. Uh, so finally, third point, and this will be much quicker. First one, God can do more than you can even think of asking, so ask big. Second one, he wants to use you. And in a moment, I'll encourage you to say, okay, Lord, this feels a bit scary, but yes. Third point, Paul prays for them to be contagious. Look at these verses again, Ephesians 3 from verse 16. And just as I read this prayer, imagine if God actually answered this prayer fully in you and in this church or in the churches of our town together. Imagine if that happened, or the churches of our nation. In every town and city, uh, there are churches where God's doing wonderful things. Many of the villages, we want to pray that right across the nation. Just imagine if this happened here in, the, here in England once again, but especially in Leamington, and especially here at St Paul's. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love, even though you can't know it, it surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What would it be like if we were so full of the love of God that we didn't care what anybody else thought about us? What would it be like if we so believed Jesus could do more that we dared to trust him and step out? What would it be like if we weren't the only one, but our church was full of that and other churches were? That's what the early church was like. They believed it and they got involved and the world was changed. May God do that once again. So we're going to pray that God would fill us with his spirit again. Again, sneak preview to Ephesians 5.18. It says, be filled with the spirit and the tense is present continuous. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit day by day by day. How? Well, individually as we continue to take time in prayer with the scriptures. As we're part of prayer triplets and formations, small groups and teams, bigger groups, congregations, we all need each other. A coal on its own will go out. When you get a whole load of coals glowing together, they make each other hotter. You must be part. We need each other. And for some of you, it's choosing to engage with others and commit your life to working with others and sharing with other small groups or teams. But God can do this. So we're going to pray it. I wonder if you'd stand and maybe the band would come back. We're going to finish uh, the service in a couple of minutes' time with that fantastic hymn, To God Be the Glory great things he has done. He's